Communications Director at Red Cup Agency, and with me today is Matt Wink, consultant and winemaker at Smidge. Hi, Matt. Good morning, Lenny. How are you? Very well. So I'm excited to do this. And today we're going to answer the question, what's the difference between a $25 bottle and a $50 bottle of wine? And Matt, you're a veteran of many tastings, of course, and cellar doors, and you're going to give us the answer. So here we go. First, what should I be looking for when buying a $25 bottle? First of all, let's just uh, talk about maybe conventional wines uh, that are on the shelf these days. So obviously need to have varietal character, both on the nose and the palate with a good structure, length and balance, like any wine. But with a re-emerging group of uh, natural wines, which are often more about texture and character, the varietal impact is um, often less important. Although, like any other wine, they need to have structure and length and balance, um, which are always important. So translating this into a price point, well, I suppose it's ultimately subjective. It really is in the eyes of the consumer. So the consumer will decide whether their purchase is a good value or not. So is this wine worth $25? Um, Will they be happy when they finish it? Will they go and repurchase that wine? So it's a sort of hard one to pinpoint, but I think it really all comes down to the, the consumer. And when we talk about structure and balance, we'll get into this a little bit more later, but what do you mean by that? How can you explain that to me? It's like uh, anything we consume in um, like food as well. So structure and balance, it's, is the wine seamless? Does it? Is it enjoyable? Is it not disjointed? Yeah, say in a red wine, are the tannins approachable and enjoyable? Are they not hard and aggressive? And bitter. Um, the acid levels are again enjoyable. So, in a white wine, are they crisp? In a Riesling or a, another aromatic white wine, are they crisp and fresh and enjoyable as a young wine? So, um, I think it all comes down to yeah, that's on a structure and balance. Like in food, is there too much salt in the food? Is there too much pepper or is there too much acid? Again, so it comes across a lot of. Things like lollies, for example, are they too sweet, are they too sour? I mean, but some things obviously are designed to be like that in lollies, but uh, hopefully you can appreciate that. That's the, the structure and the balance. Interesting. So it's pretty detailed stuff. How much of that comes into play when I'm looking at buying a $50 bottle? What should I really be looking for? Ultimately, at this price, um, a wine needs to tick all the boxes that are at the $25 level as well, but plus more. Um, obviously, you're paying more, you expect more. Um, these wines will have more complexity, and depending on the variety, have more intensity, possibly have better oak use, and depending on the style of wine, obviously. Um, in, in a $50 wine, the volume overall has been turned up from a $25 wine. So the, the comparison would need be more easily seen in the subtle differences between the wines from the same winery. So no matter what rationale a winery may use for its classification, be it a vineyard selection or a a barrel selection, the difference between a $25 Cabernet Sauvignon, for example, and a $50 Cabernet Sauvignon from the same winery should be noticeable to the majority of people. Um, Ultimately, is the eyes of the consumer, again, uh, their perception of value, Um, even though the $50 wine will have more stuffing, like the, the fruit weight, the fruit character will be more intense. There would be 
more other fruit flavors going on there there might be more secondary flavors going on there the the tannin level is greater the length of the wine and the overall volume of the wine is is greater but i suppose that the difference may be harder to see comparing a a 25 dollar bottle of wine from winery a and a 50 bottle bottle of the same winery uh, from for the same variety sorry from winery B because obviously their classification perceptions and their rationale of what is better and not could be different. So unfortunately, it, it, it does happen. A $50 wine is not necessarily twice as good as a $25 wine. Overall, it, it just comes down to the perception of the consumer. Uh, what level of enjoyment are they getting and would they be happy to pay that amount of money again for that wine. Prices of wines will be impacted obviously by production costs, uh, maybe scarcity of the product, uh, secondary auction prices or demand of the product. So in my, my eyes, a wine has to deliver on quality and enjoyment at any price point. So I think that's my uh, idea of uh, what we should be looking for in a $50 wine. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And of course, what we're not talking about are all the subtle social cues that make people think that they're enjoying the bottle more, like the label, prestige, you know, those millions of other things that have a lot of research has shown that it really changes a person's perception of the wine, the kind of bottle it comes in, everything, the glass you drink it in. We're really talking about the wine itself, these subtle or not so subtle differences. Yes. So my question is, how? right, so that makes sense. How good a nose do you really need to notice these differences? Can the casual wine drinker be expected to make that kind of a distinction? I think they can make the distinction, as I said, especially if the two wines, the $50 wine and the $25 wine, come from the same winery. Because their selection criteria for those wines will be the same, uh, or their, their idea of how to classify them will be the same, so therefore the better wine will go up into the $50 wine and $25 wine will be, I suppose, less intense. Uh, in theory, hopefully the winery has that selection criteria. But I think wines from the same variety at those two price points, but from different wineries, obviously, it may be on the other side of the world as well. So if you had a Napa Valley Cabernet and a Cabernet from the Coonawarra, obviously the selection criteria, the growing conditions, the final style of wine is going to be different. So that may be a little bit more different, difficult for, for a lot of people depending how uh, great their wine knowledge is, that could be more difficult to say, well, that one's $50 worth $50, that one's worth $25. So, But I think, in general, most people should be able to see the differences. It's, it's uh, like maybe food again as well. Do you have, uh, is this quality of steak worth $50? And you go, well, from a, a fancy grill place or you're just going down to the local pub and just having a, a $25 steak. Um, and even then, it's in the, in the eyes of the beholder. I mean, some people may be happy with just having that $25 steak and it really ticks the boxes and the $50 steak is nowhere near twice as good. So it's a, it's a hard one to answer and I'm just probably playing devil's advocate to a certain extent here and just trying to say what I think is uh, what happens in reality. So what I, I mean, being in the wine industry, it could be a a double-edged sword sometimes. I mean, you know, obviously, 
enjoy looking at different wines and what have you. But if I'm out for dinner with friends who aren't in the wine industry and they often give me the wine list and say, you choose. And I say, no, no, you guys choose because I don't know what their budgets. I look at it and go, oh, yeah, I'll have the $140 wine. That's a great vintage and that's pretty good value. Well, that's good. I'd happily pay that price for that wine, but they might not want to pay 140 bucks for a bottle of wine. So so I sort of say, well, you drink, you, you choose and – Hey, if I if I enjoy the wine, I'll happily enjoy it, and if I'm not overly fond of it, I'll have one glass and I'll go back to water or beer or something. So, but it's for me going out to dinner with non-wine people. It's more about me catching up with them as friends and seeing how they're going and listen to what they they've been doing lately, etc. So rather than me going out with a bunch of wine mates, then I mean I've been out to some wine friends and uh, the food bills. Pretty, uh, pretty small, and the booze bill was a is a lot bigger. What it means is there are really a lot of variables to this. It's there's more than meets the taste buds at first. Yes. But let's defend. <laughs> yes, let's defend the honor of the twenty five dollar bottle just for a moment. There's certainly some occasions where it's the perfect bottle. Any examples or or examples of wine or anything that comes to mind there? Um. Oh, for example, uh, Asmidge Houdini range is a uh, at that sort of $23, $23 to $25 Australian dollar price point. And the $25 fulfills many occasions um, what people are doing, what they're eating. Um, I think it also comes down to people's budgets. Uh, to some people, that wine is not there uh, on their radar on an everyday kind of drinking, but that could be a wine for special occasions. And so a $25 wine could be perfect. The perception of value, again, is in the eyes of the consumer. So some people will tell me that, uh, oh, they love the, the Houdini range for a birthday wine or someone else will say, oh, we love that Monday to Friday eating it with pizza, drinking it with pizza. So I think defending the honour of the $25 bottle, it's it's what I think you see in the wine and the quality level that you perceive the wine to be and what uh, what it does to the hip pocket, I think. Some people just the twenty five dollar wine is that special occasion wine, and to someone else it may be just an everyday wine. So, I think we we'll let the consumers decide on uh, where they see it fit in their in their day to day lives. And speaking of that, how long should I be able to keep a twenty five dollar bottle before drinking it? Is there any average estimation? Well, in theory, you'd think a fifty dollar wine will sell longer, um, but sadly, it's not necessarily the case. Uh, I would just check the vintage of the wine, the variety of the wine, the winery's history, um, the selling conditions that you have are probably very important as well, and the style of wine. Um, so if it's a $25 sort of nouveau sort of style, it's not going to sell too long. But if it's a, a variety uh, from a good region, a renowned region, from a renowned winery, from an excellent vintage, a $25 wine may sell very well if it's uh, sell it in the right conditions. Also, Look at the quality of the closure. Obviously, the bottle shape and the label are just there for aesthetics, whereas the closure has a technical job to do. So, and I always ask myself, how do you like to drink your wines? Do you want to drink them youthful and fruity, etc., or aged with fruit and more secondary notes? And what I've gathered from information is that uh, over ninety percent of wine is purchased uh, that is purchased is consumed within twenty four hours of purchase. So. Uh, if, if you do want to sell us some wines, um, yeah, just a bit of research on that $25 wine. But uh, 
I think a lot of people drink them pretty quickly anyway. Agreed. Yeah, that's a very interesting number worth bringing up again, that most people are drinking the bottle of wine that they buy within 24 hours, within about a day. And for a $50 bottle, what you're saying, I think, is that we shouldn't automatically believe that just because it costs $50, it's going to last for all time. It depends on many things. You know, could you talk about that a little bit? For example, barrel fermented Chardonnay, for example, from a known producer, but a vintage was the weather was a bit hot and not the, the best conditions. So and you have to pay, say, $50 for it. The vintage conditions may not give you the restraint and elegance the wine normally has. The acid level is a little bit out of whack. The wine is very good as it's young, but it may not, it might say, sell a well for seven to 10 years, but from a good vintage from that winery of that product may last 20 years. So I mean, this is just, I'm just picking Chardonnay out of the blue. I'm not saying people go out there and be a bit sceptical about Chardonnay now, but similarly with all varieties like that are robust and those Shiraz and Cabernet, even Pinot Noir, for example. We had a vintage in 2001 in Australia here, which was very hot, and especially through January. And unfortunately, the wines were very... Well, the Pinot wines from that year from the Adelaide Hills were, were very good, but we soon saw that they weren't going to age very well. Um, and after sort of seven, eight, nine, ten years, they started to fall apart a little bit and lose a bit of vibrancy, whereas the 2002, which was the year after, was a very cool year, um, cool and dry. Mind you, dry, so we didn't have much rain, but it was just a cool conditions and the ripening process was very slow and very even. So we retained a lot of natural acid. Flavours were came in early at low sugar levels, so the alcohols weren't very high, and those wines sell it a lot better than the previous year. So there's the kind of things to look for. Ask if you go down to a bottle shop or a cellar door, don't hesitate to ask the salesperson or the cellar door operator what the vintage conditions were like or any other questions you are like because... Hopefully they'll give you an answer and uh, don't hesitate, even do a bit of research at home. Go online, there's various websites that you can uh, look up around the world that'll give you indications of cellar con uh, of vintage conditions. I wanted to ask too, you know, we're talking back and forth here, $25 bottle, $50 bottle, kind of comparing and contrasting. In the $50 bottle, you've covered this a bit, but what more will we really get and are there specific labels in the smidge range that you'd like to mention that would tell us about that, would break that down for us a little? Okay, in the smidge range, I will do a barrel classification in the so November following vintage. So down here, obviously, in the Southern Hemisphere, we are, have vintages around late January through to early April, um, roughly. And so in the November following, so six, seven months later, I then go through and classify or taste all the barrels blindly. I get all the samples out and we taste them all. I just have a little uh, code on the glass so I don't exactly remember which one came from where and I classify them. So say for a Barossa Shiraz, we, some, of the, some of the Shiraz barrels uh, will go to the Houdini range, which as I said before, is a $23 to $25 Australian dollar range and then we go up into the white label series which is the Adamo uh, which is $30 Australian range and then uh, we go up to the S which is our Smith which is around that Australian dollar 65 
point. So a bit over the 50, but it will give you an idea. But those parcels of Shiraz that are in these wines, they come from the same vineyards, but this after a barrel selection process, the better barrels go up and the sort of the not so great barrels go down. So I'm looking for structure, weight of all the wine, the length, the complexity, and if that all comes together and gives me a, a seamless wine and it sort of you just know you just you can have this enjoyment and when you taste it you go, right, that's the right one for that piece of wine. That one's, yeah, okay, that's a little bit oaky and a little bit out of balance, I'll put that one down. But I suppose in overall, as mentioned before, it's the $50 wines are, are going to give you more complexity. There is more going on in the wine. There's more aromas and flavours and there's better length and all the wines should have, over, all wines should have balance. But ultimately, um, I think we should encourage more people to drink wine of whatever price, at whatever price points. Uh, people know their budget and the, their perceived value and, Enjoyment comes for the consumer. So, again, don't hesitate. If you have a spare afternoon or a spare day and you want tugging into your wines, go to an independent bottle shop or go to a cellar door and ask questions. And there's never and there's never a silly question in the wine industry because a lot of people don't know a huge amount of about the wine industry. Um, it's like me. I mean, I don't, I'm not sure about heart surgery, for example. So if I happened to bump into a heart surgeon, I probably would ask him a silly question. To him, it may seem silly, but generally, if you don't know something about a topic, then no no question is silly because there are a lot of unknowns or there are little little tweaks and little things we do in the winery that people may not have ever thought of or ever heard of before. So if you do go to visit a winery, don't hesitate to ask ask questions and or sell it or a um, bottle shop either, but independent ones especially are very well versed and give you some valuable information. Excellent. I think that's great advice to wrap up with. Ask questions. Why not? There are knowledgeable people out there who can help you. Matt, thanks so much for joining me today on the podcast. Thanks, Lee. Thanks for your time. I enjoyed it.